You're listening to the CXMH Podcast. CXMH is a podcast at the intersection of faith and mental health. Hey, welcome back to CXMH, a podcast on faith and mental health. Did you notice I started, I, I thought maybe I should add the title in the beginning. I used to just say, welcome back to the show, assuming uh-huh. that everybody knew what they were doing, but... I, some you know I don't know coming into the season I thought what if somebody's new That's anyway awesome. welcome back to the show my name is Robert Vore <laughs> I'm one of your hosts and I am joined as always by my co-host Dr. Holly Oxhandler <laughs> Holly how are you doing Hey Robert I'm doing all right today how are you doing I'm I'm doing all right yeah I'm having a an all right day it's not super busy it's got a lot of uh flexible time in it we won't say free time but a lot mm-hmm. of flexible time mm-hmm. uh, and that's been that's been fun. It's been good to like catch up on a couple things where I'm like feeling a little stressed about being behind or whatever, but then mm-hmm. also just some things that some flexible time is is useful for as opposed to like trying to smoosh it in between yes. some other things or whatever, if that makes sense. No, it's super vague, but No, it makes perfect sense. It really does cuz I feel like that's exactly how, you know, today and yesterday too have kind of been for me like that flexible it just there's a lot to do but i'm just grateful that i'm not trying to do it all in between meetings and things like that yeah. so yeah it's nice and it's actually nice to like oh man like just kind of putting those check marks next to some of these things that have been on mm-hmm. my list for weeks um it's yeah. been good to <laughs> yeah. kind of get those off so yeah yeah so which is funny because i know uh, last week we talked about that in the intro as well right like uh-huh. that, that we had kind of gotten some deadlines out of the way because we had talked about the church mental health summit which yeah. we'll have a link to that again in the in the show notes but it sounds like some more this week for you of catching up on some things and, and mm-hmm. getting some stuff done yeah. Yep. It's been good. It feels good getting caught up on some of these things. And at the same time, there are a few things that this last week I've realized that a couple of deadlines passed on a couple on a few things for me. And I am grateful to be in a space now where the deadline passes and I can get it maybe to the person the day after. And, you know, yeah. and I'm not you know, just kind of swimming in like a shame storm of like, oh my gosh, I really should have gotten it to them on the exact day. Like I really try to do that, but I think learning to be like, okay, this is the best I can do right now. I will get it to you tomorrow. I apologize. And I look forward to getting it to you or whatever it is. Like it's just having right, a little right. bit more flexibility and freedom has been nice. And I'm grateful for the those who I work with who are okay with those those little flexible yeah deadlines so yeah yeah so yeah well speaking of being flexible and and things mm-hmm. like that right i'm curious what can you think of and i'm gonna put you on the spot because we didn't make a show oh, man. here we go what is the most creative or like flexible response you have had to uh, uh, like a hard parenting moment you know what i mean oh. like so here's I'll give you an example to like help out, right? So okay. Gray for some reason does not ever want to brush his teeth, even though it's like super fast, right? Uh-huh. Just for some reason we're like having fun, we get in there, and he like refuses to open his mouth, and so we've had to like, okay, do you want to brush your teeth upside down? Do you want to brush your teeth in the bathtub? Mm-hmm. Do you want to brush your mm-hmm. teeth with your stuffed animal, right? Uh-huh. Like it's literally every single night we have to invent some new way of brushing your teeth, which I'm like running out of. <laughs> That's amazing. Right? But- so, like, what can you think of something like that where kind of creativity and flexibility, you know, as my like segue here, uh, yeah. from what we were talking about before, has really come into play in in like a hard parenting moment? Oh man, oof! I feel like we need to like I feel like we need it constantly. So I think it's yeah. hard to think of a, a single moment because I feel like we rely on a lot of that creative flexible approach to parenting you know there we do have obviously we do have some areas of consistency in our home but um right right. but yeah (laughs) yeah I feel like for us lately it's probably been more around dinner time and and finding creative ways to motivate our children to eat their dinners I feel like that's been a big a big area for us lately where they really don't, you know, they just are really picky with their food. And so we keep trying to think instead of, you know, instead of just being like, well, you have to eat your dinner. It's like, okay, well, which food do you want to start with? Or, you know, do you want it? 
eat. I mean, we don't do, do you want to eat upside down, but like in the way that you do with brushing your teeth. Yeah. But yeah, just trying to think of creative ways for them to eat or move their food on their plate in a way that makes it a little bit more fun. Yeah. I I feel, I mean, I just think of that because that was like last night. Last night, that was very much the thing. But yeah, it's a really good question. I like that. I I just Thanks. Yeah, I think that's but I think that that's parenting with with a lot where we're just constantly trying to flex and stretch and think about different ways to teach our kids and motivate our kids and encourage yeah. them to do certain things that are helpful and good for them without just being like, you have to do this because there are some things that are like, you have to do this, but I really like to reserve that for the, like the things, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. A very long winded answer. I apologize for how long that was. No, no, that's great. I mean, I think that's the the realistic nature of it, right? Is try to save the like, I don't know, the hard stance things for like safety or things like that. Right. You know, how do we, and this is my segue, right? Like, how do we work with our children and say like, hey, look, both our goal is to like finish eating dinner so that we can go play. Uh, mm-hmm. How do we like both accomplish that, right? Right. And recognizing, especially when you have multiple kids, that that creativity and flexing is going to look super different for both of them. So, mm, you know, yeah. the things that work with Oliver in one way won't work with Callie and vice versa. And so, sure. Yeah. That's a great segue into today's discussion, though. So I'm glad you asked the question. Thank you. Yeah, I'm I'm proud of it. That was, you know, just on the spot because you were talking about being flexible. Um, (laughs) You want to you want me to tell you a little bit? Yes, please. I would love to hear all about this week's guest. Tell us about it. Yeah, this week we uh, had Janine Halloran on. She's a mental health counselor, but she's someone that I connected with uh, a while back. I went to a training that she did. She's the founder of copingskillsforkids.com. She's written a handful of books and and develops resources having to do with coping skills for kids, right? When they're anxious Mm -hmm. or angry or ADHD, right? Like trying to motivate or focus or things like that, right? And so, uh, I mean, she's awesome. She has a podcast and like I said, all sorts of resources on her website, but I think she, uh, I was so excited to have her on ever since I went to this training of Mm. hers back in, I think we figured out it was like November, December of last year. Okay. She's Uh consistently been in our brainstorming docs that we have where we like put people that we want to have on because ever since then I thought, man, I would love to have her on. So uh, I was really excited to get her on finally. And mm-hmm. I thought it was was great just talking about kids, right? How do we uh, parent well? How do all the things we were just talking about, right? How do we work with our, our kids as opposed to like just kind of laying down the law or whatever it is, yeah. right? So as someone, I know you came into it not having interacted with Janine before, right? Right. Mm-hmm. What were your takeaways and, you know, what do you think of it? Yeah. Well, I mean, I loved the conversation. I thought it was super relevant for everything that's going on right now. And in some ways, I am almost grateful that it ended up that we brought her on the show now instead of, you know, back in last November or December when you had met her because there's a lot that our kiddos are coping with these days. And I thought she did a really great job explaining, you know, how do we help our kids cope and navigate with with everything that they're navigating these days and how do we pay attention to I know she talks a lot about self-care too in in this conversation and and what role does that have in helping our, you know, for ourselves and and for how we help our kids, but but I know like the pra- like the practical takeaway, well, one of them, there were a handful of them, but the one that I've already implemented is that we've already been talking with our kids about having like a calming corner or a peace corner in the house um, yeah. just for yeah. them to be able to calm down and have some quiet. And, you know, and so we already were talking with our kids last night about maybe we should have some Play-Doh in there, or maybe some like coloring books. And um, yeah. Callie was like coming up with ideas of things to put in there. And then she was like, oh, that's right. I had one of those in first grade. I remember when my first grade teacher had that. And so, <laughs> that's awesome. so it was so cool. Yeah. So that was a, a big takeaway that our listeners will get to hear about in a moment. But I'm just, thank you for making the connection. I'm so glad we got to bring Janine on the show. She was a wonderful guest. Um, And I hope our listeners follow up with, you know, following along with her work and what she does after they listen. 
So yeah. All right. Well, we will step aside and let y'all listen to our interview with Janine Halloran. Enjoy y'all. All right. Today, we are so excited to be joined by Janine Halloran. Janine is a licensed mental health counselor who has been working with children, teens, and their families for 20 years. She's been helping children and teens build their coping skills throughout her career in a variety of settings, including schools, mental health clinics, and in her private practice. She is the author of the best-selling Coping Skills for Kids workbook, as well as Coping Skills for Teens workbook and Social Skills for Kids, and she's the host of the Common Connected podcast. Her work has been featured in the Boston Globe, Huffington Post, Psych Central, and the Skim newsletter. Janine lives in Massachusetts with her husband and two children. Janine, how are you doing today? I am doing well, trying to make it through school and everything that's going on here. Yeah, yeah. Well, we are so glad that you could join us. Aside from that bio that I read there, is there anything else that our audience should know about you? Oh, gosh. Um, I really love the work that I do. I really love being a therapist, actually. It's really, Mm. it's a joy. I love being able to help kids and teenagers figure out their coping skills. And there's something just so fun about seeing them make that progress. I always say like, it's my job to work myself out of a job. And I want that. Mm -hmm. I want you to be able to do the things without having me there as your cheerleader or as your support person, like you can do this. And it's really fun when I, when you get to that point when they're like, and I, and when I, when you get to that point and they're saying, oh my gosh, I was able to think about all the strategies we talked about and I picked one and I was able to do it and I'm rocking it out. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I know you and I had met at a training that you did. We were trying to figure out when, uh, just because time has stopped meaning anything, but I guess it was last December we figured out. And so I was excited to have you come on to talk about those types of things today, coping skills for kids and teens and things like that. So to start with, sometimes it's it's easy to kind of jump past kids when we're thinking about things like mental health or emotional stress or things like that, right? Hmm. Why do you think it's so important to talk and think about our children in those terms of, of you know their emotions and what's happening mentally and things like that? I think it's really good to start young because then you build those skills as they grow into teenagers and adulthood. It's so much easier to start when they're little talking about feelings, talking about, you know, where they feel things in their body, talking about the fact that they do have some control over, you know, if they're in a bad mood, there are things that you can do. And thinking about being able to use those strategies and utilize those skills as they get older, when things are a little bit more intense. You know, when you have tiny kid problems, they're a little bit less intense than like teenage problems or adult Mm -hmm. problems. So if you learn (laughs) to deal with it when you're little, then when you're a teenager and when you're an adult, it's going to be easier for you. That's why I love working with kids because of that, because it's so neat to be able to help lay that foundation for them to be socially and emotionally present and aware as they uh, mature into adulthood. Yeah, I love that. I When people mm-hmm. ask about why I, I love working with adolescents and teens, right, I, I always kind of have this refrain in my head of like, if we put every high schooler right now in therapy for a little bit, then we would end up with a lot less 40-year-olds in therapy maybe, right? Like if we, if we kind of mm-hmm. establish that foundation, and obviously I'm not making light of like what happens later in life, but if we can kind of establish that foundation and grow these, these skills and things like that, I mean, I think it could be really revolutionary for the rest of their lives. And so I love mm. that. Yeah, no, I mean, this is so just so, so helpful. And I love how that passion that you have for the work that you do and the way that that comes through is just, I love that. It's so contagious, (laughs) like that passion for, um, for mental health treatment and care. And so, yeah, I'm just so, so glad to have you on. Well, for, I am curious for folks that are listening that maybe haven't really ever even thought about kids as having different emotional needs. Are there some foundational assumptions or pieces of information that you think would be helpful for folks to know, you know, just just in thinking about kids and emotions and those those basic foundational pieces? Oh, you know, one of the first things I think is helpful for adults to think about is that kids have emotions too. Kids have bad days, just like adults. Mm -hmm. Kids have um, anger. Kids can experience anxiety. Kids can experience stress. It may look different in a kid 
the things that may trigger it may be different in a child, but they do experience that. So I think one of the things that's important is to acknowledge that, to make them feel like they are heard and understood. If they are feeling stressed out because of remote learning, that is real and let's address it. (laughs) You know what I mean? As opposed to saying, oh, Mm -hmm. it's not a big deal. Let's just move on. It'll be fine. Just do your class, whatever. I'm like, and I understand as the adult, who is trying to work because I'm, I'm speaking for myself here. Um, I understand the pull of just get it together and get on your Google me. And what are we talking about mm, right now? But then the yeah. therapist in me takes over and is like, okay, let's talk about it. Let's, let's work through it. Let's figure out what will help you right now. Let's talk about making a plan for tomorrow, all that stuff, you know, to make sure that we are acknowledging their feelings, acknowledging their mm-hmm. experiences. How powerful is that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, that's so good. And it is so important to acknowledge those experiences and those feelings that they're juggling these days. That's really good. So uh, I want to follow up on something you just said, right? Because sometimes I think it's easy to think about children as kind of like mini adults, right? Like, oh, just get over it or just do this, right? Like kind of like projecting uh, our understanding of the way things are going onto them. And so you just said, you know, if they're stressed out about things, it may look different. It may be expressed different. What are some, you know, I, I know we think about kids like having a meltdown, quote unquote or whatever, right? But like, what are some ways that it might look like if if my kid is feeling stressed or mm. anxious or right? Like what are some of those things that maybe we tend to jump past and say they're just being a kid, but really are signs of maybe they're stressed or worried or anxious or more mm-hmm. upset. So the first couple of things I think about with that is like psychosomatic issues. So if they are having stomach aches, if they're having headaches, and it's repeatedly always at the same time every single day or every single week, because it's always math class, or it's always science or social studies, that's something that, you know, it's really easy to sort of overlook like, oh, you know, are, are you feeling sick? Or is some, or, or is it related to the fact that you don't really like to be on this meeting, and you don't like a certain kid in the class, or you don't like to to be have your face on camera, like what are the things that are really making that happen? And they might not be able to notice that right away. But then, you know, as the adults, we sort of have to be sort of detectives and paying attention, like I'm noticing that this is happening every day at math, I wonder why, and just that curiosity around Mm. that. So, you Mm -hmm. know, I think sometimes that is one of those big things that like, it just shows up in their bodies, and they don't know what it is, you know, sometimes they just don't really know. And so it's, it's up to us to sort of help them figure that out and help tease through that. Um, And I think the other thing that I see a lot is that shutdown, like refusal, Like I'm not, you know, we all see the acting out, Mm -hmm. like acting out regression, but then the absolute, like, I'm not getting out of bed. I'm not doing anything. I'm not taking a shower. I'm not, I'm not going to even like brush my teeth. I'm not eating. I'm not sleeping. So those, you know, are sort of the red flags that I would be looking for if I'm Mm -hmm. worried about like stress or anxiety or depression in my children or teens. Yeah, that's good. That makes really good sense. I mean, I think those are really good, clear indicators for us to be paying attention to. And that's helpful kind of just for us to hang on to those little potential red flags to just be watching out for. I am curious if there are some, like, just around, like, what is it that's so unique about the emotional needs of kids that make it especially important for us to be learning – well, for us and for them to be learning coping tools that are really specifically designed for kiddos. Yeah. You know what I think is really interesting? I think, you know, the coping skills that we teach kids that I talk about all the time and the coping skills I talk about for teenagers and the coping skills I talk about for adults are basically the same. Like they are all the same, but they are just sort of <laughs> mm-hmm. modified yeah. for kids. So like I make, when I talk about deep breathing, deep breathing matters no matter what age you are. Deep breathing can help you no matter what age you are. But when you're a little kid, it's easier to you know, get kids to buy into deep breathing when you talk about balloons or you talk, use a Hoberman sphere mm-hmm. or you use your hand versus a teenager. Like a lot of my teenage clients like to use those breathing gifts where they can like breathe in with the gift and yeah. then they watch it breathe out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. You know what I mean? So like yep. teenagers really dig that. And then adults will sort of like dig on like numbers and they'll do the gifts sometimes too, or just like the understanding of 
what happens in your body when you take a deep breath. Sometimes when you explain it to an adult, they're like, oh, that's why? Fine, I'll do it now. And so it's, right, so right. it's, it's the same sort of strategy, but it's just sort of modified throughout the ages in a way that makes sense for where they are developmentally and what, what, how they respond best. Yeah, no, that makes, I mean, that makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. And and I love how you broke down even like the deep breathing into the different age groups or categories and how, you know, that it, even just that can be adapted. But the needs are consistent in a lot of ways, it sounds like, from what other age groups uh, might have. I, I am curious, too, if they're like as, you know, in your work and you know, in the work that you're doing with your clients these days and and just in general, are there some unique needs that you're seeing that kids have um, around their emotions, particularly these days, and what those common needs are that you're identifying? You know, what's interesting is with being remote for a lot of time, I think a lot of the socialization is a really interesting piece. So there's so much to, you know, finding a support system, having good friends, being able to chat with people, you know, just missing the like recess and lunch chatter, you know, all the sort of things that happen. That's where Mm -hmm. all the action is in school. You know what I mean? Like that's what everybody's looking forward to. Like, let's go to lunch and recess. Mm. And they're, they're sort of missing that. And so I think the unique challenges of right now are how do we create that experience or create an opportunity for them to have some social and emotional time together, but without necessarily being in the same space. And that's really tricky. Yeah. Yeah. It's very tricky. And, you know, I've been doing a lot of reading on um, social and emotional learning and uh, the work out of Castle, the Collaborative for Academic Social and Emotional Learning, they actually released new guidelines for um, reintegrating into schools and reentry into schools called mm. um, Reunite, Renew, and Thrive. And I found it so refreshing because they really focused on, okay, we need to connect with each other in different ways than we've ever tried to connect before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so how do we make this happen? And really focusing on the social and emotional needs, like making sure that kids have a homeroom and they can chat with each other, trying to figure out online clubs, trying to make sure that kids are able to connect with each other and play games together, play something online. And I know there are concerns about like so much screen time, but in some ways, like right now, that is the way that a lot of kids can connect with one another is through playing games online. Yeah. Um, so it is, yeah. it's, it's challenging. It's challenging, but there, I've seen some really fun things, even with my own kids, just them being able to, you know, they schedule their playing time with their friends. And so they go on and they're like, oh, let's play Minecraft together. And they're working cooperatively and building things together. So I'm seeing that sort of trying to figure out social emotional learning, trying to figure out connecting with friends via screen, but then also, you know, some kids are really wanting to get together with their peers, but then, Mm -hmm. you know, depending on the family and how comfortable they are with socially distancing, um, if one family is socially distancing in a different way than another family, um, and does that feel awkward when, you know, Mm -hmm. people are like some, I had a client of mine, his friend invited him to the house and his mom was saying to him before he left, like, you can't go into the house, you can bike ride, but you can't go in. And so like this pull of like, well, my mom says I can't, but your mom says I can and trying to figure out that trickiness and like that fear of missing out for the little ones, like the kids that are a little bit bigger, but like, but like late elementary, middle school, high school, like, is everybody Mm -hmm. hanging out without me? And then like, why don't you let me hang out? I want to have a sleepover. They're having a sleepover. You know, that sort of stuff is really mm-hmm. tricky. Yeah. 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 I know. <laughs> Cause I know we had just, we were just talking before the show and I, you know, I've shared on the show that our daughter is, she's eight. And so, you know, she's in that age where she's kind of in that in between right now where, you know, she misses her friends, but I'm seeing a lot of ways in which she's been able to adapt and be resilient and find other ways to connect with her friends through like FaceTiming or hanging out from across the street and talking with the neighbor and, you know, doing some things like that to still kind of have some social connection. And we've tried to be as creative as possible, but 
it's definitely been tricky, especially as a parent where each, you know, each family is going to have their varying levels of comfort. And, but at the same time, you know, they have varying levels of, you know, attention to the kids' varying levels of social emotional needs. And so there's just so many moving variables, I think, that are, is making this tricky. All that to say, I, one of the questions that I do have is recognizing all the, the varying, like all the variables that are tied to this and the need to pay attention to the kids' social and emotional, you know, learning and development and, um, and connection. Do you have any suggestions for, we'll start with parents, any suggestions for parents around helping their kids cope with everything that's happening right now from the emotional struggles that they might be navigating to the the social complexities with social distancing and all that. Um, like what would you say to parents these days in terms of how to help their kids cope? I would say just keep the lines of communication open, have conversations. Mm. Like even if you just put out there, like, how are you doing? Or what are your thoughts on school? Or, it, you know, being able to start the conversations about, oh, it's really hard because jo John lets people into his house, but Mary doesn't. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, and just having those conversations, opening the, that dialogue is really important. And being able to be as honest as you can um, age appropriately to your kids about the frustration that you feel too. Like, you know, I've had um, that same client's mom express her frustration to her child saying, you know, I understand that it's frustrating. I'm frustrated too with how, you know, there's diff different families are doing different things and it's really confusing. And I know it's confusing for me and it, it's upsetting for me sometimes and it's upsetting for you too. So to be able to share in that and be able to mm. recognize, to, to know like that kid, kids don't feel alone when you say, I feel frustrated too. They know, they recognize it. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah. one, you know, one thing I've been saying to my kids a lot is that, you know, this is challenging for not just you, but it's hard for the principals. It's hard for the teachers. Yeah. And um, I, you know, my mom and my um, mother-in-law are both, were both educators. They're both retired now, but they were both educators. And I keep saying to the kids, imagine grandma trying to figure out Zoom. Imagine grandma trying to figure out <laughs> Google Meet. Give oh my your gosh, teachers, I love that. <laughs> right? Give your teachers yeah. some grace because yeah. this is really challenging. Oh, of course he doesn't know where the mute button is. Like it's really hard. <laughs> Oh, that mute button is so important, though. <laughs> I love this. So, I mean, and, and even what you're saying right now, like this is such a great lesson in empathy for our kids, too, to for us to kind of model some of that, like exactly what you're saying. I love this. Yeah, yeah. no, it's real. It's hard. And this, is, and this is hard for all of us. And I was like, listen, I'm just as confused as you are. So I, we're going to figure it out together. And that's the other thing I would say is like, let's, we're a team. We are, a we've been living together, like really tightly for six months. We mm -hmm. are a team. Mm -hmm. let's, let, we are working together. We are living together. We are learning together. And let's, we're going to figure it out together. Yeah. No, I love that. Yeah, and that even... I was thinking back when you were talking about kind of being a detective about what, what's happening with your children that requires kind of us as adults, right, to have that kind of awareness of saying, hey, I am frustrated and being able to communicate that in a way that's not just I'm taking that out on you, right? Like, mm -hmm. I think yeah. I saw a thing the other day that was, you know, I follow some parenting Instagrams or whatever, right? And one of them was talking about like, your kid isn't giving you a hard time right now. They are having a hard time right now, right? Like kind of yes. decentering ourselves. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you have some, I don't know, kind of tips around our ability to do that and kind of helping us slow things down so that we're not kind of just reacting consistently in terms of you're making me so frustrated, but like, how do I step out of that and into how do I care for you really well? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that I love to think about is trying to, as a parent, as a person, as the adult in charge of the household, you want to be the thermostat, not the thermometer. That is, that's like, I say this all the time to myself and I say this to parents all the time. You want to set the tone for the house. You don't want to go with the, go with whatever tone there is. So when everybody's angry and you get angry too, that's not helpful. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, yeah. and, it, and, but here's the thing. It is so hard to do that. It is so hard to stay calm and uh, relaxed when everybody else is escalating. 
but that is what we are supposed to be doing in order to be good models for our children, mm. to help them figure out how to regulate, to help them figure out how to manage their big emotions. And the thing I always tell adults is just like kids need coping skills, you need self-care. And mm-hmm. I know it's so overblown. I know people are so sick and tired Mm-mm. of me no, saying it. No, they're not. They need to keep hearing it. They <laughs> need to I, keep hearing it. Yes. I can't Please. even tell you. Every time, every time people are like, I don't want to hear about self-care. I'm like, I don't really care if you don't want to hear about self-care. We're going to talk about it. because (laughs) (laughs) Because it's so key to being able to be present and aware and available, especially for parents who are also in education or also in a helping field. If you are a counselor and a parent right now, if you are a teacher and a parent, a principal and a parent, good gravy, you need to be able to take care of yourself right now because your plate is full. And so you need to Mm -hmm. make sure that you are doing things to make, to keep yourself healthy, to keep yourself sane. You need to be able to go out on those walks, even, or go and do something fun for yourself. Even if it's hiding in a closet for five minutes, having a cup of tea, if that is what you can get, fine, do it, but you need Mm -hmm. to do it. Because otherwise you will not be able to do the things you need to do. You will not show up in the best way if you don't take a few minutes to do some reading or uh, like play video games, play on your phone. I don't, it doesn't matter. There's so many different things that you can do to help yourself relax. They need, everybody needs to do it. And I talk to myself when I say this out loud, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. Right. I love this. You are preaching to the choir right now. (laughs) I am so glad that you brought up the importance of, self-care in this season for parents and especially when they're helping in multiple facets, whether it's like teachers and parents or, you know, maybe being on the front lines in healthcare settings and, you know, oh gosh, that's just so important. So thank you for elevating that. You're welcome. It's it's the thing I always preach. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's good. It needs, and, and it, you know, I, what you were saying about people getting tired of it, it's like, no, it doesn't matter. We need to keep saying it because it's so important and we need to keep being reminded of it. So keep saying it. I love it. All right. I will. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so I mentioned up at the top that you're the host of the Common Connected podcast, which I love because they're short, little, like less than 10 minute ideas in terms of here's like really practical, here's an, a creative idea in terms of how to do some coping skills with your kids. Could you maybe talk about like some broadly applicable, like some of these kind of bigger ideas that we've been talking about in terms of what we have to keep in mind when helping our kids with some coping skills right now, but then also like what are some really practical, tangible ways that you have used that recently? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say the thing I like to do when I'm introducing coping skills to kids, like just in general, I try to keep it pretty low key. Like I don't want to, like I don't make a whole like, cheerleader show out of like, let's talk about coping skills right now, because they're going to tune me out. Like my own children will tune me out when I I say that, right? But when I when I start talking about strategies, I, I just focus specifically on the words of the strategy. So let's try doing balloon breathing, or let's try using your imagination to visit a place that makes you feel calm and happy. Um, So trying to just stay, not to make too big a deal of it when you're starting to sit down and just review coping skills with kids, um, but try and keep it also really targeted. So I try to only introduce like one or two skills a week and I just practice them with kids when they're calm. That's the other piece of it. Like I just really like to make sure mm-hmm. that kids are practicing when yeah. they're calm as opposed to practicing when they're already heightened. If they're heightened, they can't hear you. It's too late. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's <laughs> good. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, so you just have to sort of ride it out with them and then figure out what to do next. But it's good when they, if you've practiced beforehand, when they are heightened, you can talk with them about the strategies that you talked about before when they were calm. And if they get really upset um, and really heightened, sometimes even having a visual is way better than your words because they like when kids are heightened, it's hard for them to hear things. So Mm. they respond better when you, when they see something. So 
I what I like to do, especially when my kids were very little, I would talk with them about their strategies. And then I would have visuals in their like calm space or in the kitchen on the fridge or wherever they were going to be, wherever I like sort of had an idea where things were going to not go well. Um, <laughs> so that we would be mm-hmm. able to sort of get to that spot pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Because I thought, it, I think it's really helpful to be able to do that. You know, when when my kids were younger, like three, four, five, six, we would do a lot of that. Like, okay, let's try a different deep breathing exercise mm. right now. Let's try this other thing. And they've gotten over time to figure out what strategies work for them. And what's really neat is that now, you know, when we are having a hard time, when things are not going well, like, you know, really having a difficult, challenging time with remote learning, then we can call on those skills. And, you know, just something that has happened recently, people have, you know, my son got really upset about having to go to remote learning. And we talked about a couple of different things we could try. Did you want to try using a worry box? He's not into that. That's cool. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. Tell me the worry box. Is that like where you write your worries and put them in the box? Okay. Yep. And then it's like a scheduled time every day where you like review your worries and then you Mm. can get rid of some worries if they're not there anymore. But it's really just like it off, it gives, an opportunity to have like a 15 minute check-in with your child on a daily basis, just about what's going on. That's a great idea. Oh, I love love it. I love that. I'm like, Oh, why haven't we been doing that? Now I'm not going to shame myself over that, but that's a great idea to do. Yeah. No, I'm going to try that. That's good. And then, or your kid could be like, no, thanks. I'm not interested in it like mine. So that's fine. (laughs) That's okay too. That's That's right. Yeah. But then what we ended up doing was just having a conversation like that really connection feeling heard, like talking, talking to somebody you trust is a coping skill. That is a strategy that kids can use. So that's what we ended up doing. We just talked through it and we figured out, you know, let's make a plan and working together. And so being able to just use those strategies and not getting stuck if you, if this first one doesn't work. That's the thing. Like every kid is different. Every situation is different. When different feelings man are managed better by different coping skills. And so you have to sort of have a, a wide range of things that work um, yeah. that you can sort of call on when you need it. So like what works when you're feeling sad might not work when you're feeling anxious or might not work when you're feeling mad. And so it's just good to have a few different things in and, you know, for parents not to, or anybody not to get like super caught up on like one strategy, like that's your go-to strategy. That's the only strategy. Yeah. Because it's really tricky. Like I, don't get me wrong. I love mindfulness. I think mindfulness is amazing. I think it's fantastic, but it sometimes doesn't work for all kids. And I think that's the thing that's really hard. Like everybody's like, oh my gosh, look at the research. I'm like, the research is fantastic. And for those kids who really respond well to it, that's fantastic. It's a phenomenal way to help kids be aware of their body, be aware of their emotions and all that stuff. But it doesn't always work for every child. And so we just need to be aware of that. You know, I was reading this article about mindfulness in schools, and there was this little girl who said, you know, mindfulness just didn't work for me. The way that my body calms down and gets me calm is when I dance. And so I just dance. And that's what helps me. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I think even, I mean, like I relate to that, right? Like, I think I spent a long time kind of trying to say, okay, I need more alone time, more, more like quiet time. But for me, and this is probably some overlapping of just like who I am and then my ADHD and all that, right? Like, but maybe movement helps me more. And so going out Mm -hmm. for a walk or like listening to loud music and singing, right? Like those things actually end up helping me get a more sense of calm than like if I try to sit quietly like for for half an hour right like that stresses me out a little bit yeah. and so yeah. I think yeah. it's totally fair to say also for kids right like yeah I'm 30 and I just figured that out so like how can we help kids figure that out that yeah. it's really just whatever works for you yeah, yeah and I think that's that's something that I love about coping skills and it is also frustrating about coping skills that you know it, it's whatever works for the child you have in front of you who like the client your your own child but it's also really, it can be kind of frustrating because you sort of want that magic wand. I, when I worked in schools, teachers would always be like, where's your magic wand so you can fix them so we, we can get back to our day? They're like, that's, that's not how it works. That's right. My love, yeah. it is yeah. not how it works. 
if it would, I would just wave it over the entire school and bing, and everybody mm-hmm. would be good. But yeah. it, it takes time. And that's the thing. It takes time and it takes patience to work through it and figure out what works. And But it is so rewarding when they can figure it out, when they do figure out like, oh my gosh, that really worked for me. How amazing is that for a child to feel that when they're like, oh, I was really big mad and now I'm just a little mad. (laughs) That's phenomenal. Yeah. 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 So I know parents obviously is typically a more kind of one-on-one setting. We have listeners who are teachers or maybe like faith leaders who uh, help a bunch of kids at once or things like that, right? So do you have ideas for if I maybe can't necessarily uh, just do one-on-one, but I have a larger group of kids and I'm trying to help them with things or, or I don't know, from because I know you were a teacher, right? And actually the, the training that we met while, while that I was attending was about working in a classroom. So do you have some ideas in terms of kind of in a, in a bigger setting, if I have a handful of kids at once? working through uh, whether it's like a kind of acute emotional response or just coping in general? Yeah, absolutely. So I was a, I was a school counselor for a really long time. I loved being a school counselor. Um, I actually wanted to be a teacher when I was growing up. So I, I my mom, like I said, was um, an educator for some 20, 30 years, something like that. And so I know education kind of inside and out in terms of like, I've, I could set up a kindergarten and first grade classroom like you wouldn't believe. Um, <laughs> but the thing that I love, the thing that I love about working in schools is that you can use so many of those pockets of time. And even when you're like a faith leader or somebody running a group, I used to run groups as well. I use those transitional times as times to introduce coping skills. So mm-hmm. coming in from recess, um, at the beginning of the day, at the end of the day, before and after lunch, you know, those are times where you actually can just introduce a skill. Like you don't even have to say we're working on our coping skills right now. It's just, okay, today we're going to try doing um, a relaxation exercise or to, and we're going to try doing imagine using our imagination or we're going to try using this push-pull dangle. So you pull up on your chair. Oh, no, you push down on your chair for 10 seconds. You pull up on your chair for 10 seconds and then you let your arms dangle. So just using those strategies as a whole class um, so that when they are heightened, that's a strategy that you can call back on when they are having a hard time. You can say, oh, do you want to try using your imagination right now? Or do you want to try doing this other thing? Or do you want to try doing a deep breathing exercise? Um, and then having, again, visuals. So, you know, some kids keep them on a key ring. And so, or, you know, for the kids that have a really hard time throughout the day, sometimes people will just put their strategies on their desk. <laughs> and so that way they can po- just um, point to them instead, you know, making it really easy. And then something else I really like to um, encourage classroom teachers to do is have a calm down area, have a, a peace corner, have a place where kids, it's normal and expected and typical that if kids are having a hard time, mm. there's a space where they can go and they yeah. can process their emotions. They can take a break. And that is what adults do. Why do we not allow kids to have that opportunity? We should allow them. And there are so many different resources for peace corners or calm down spaces, um, relaxation areas where they can just go and just do a strategy for a few minutes and then return to the classroom. It's powerful. It's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. I know that's something that in my son's uh, classroom, well, we're doing virtual, but when we had met with the teacher and she was explaining how she would do in-person, if we were to shift back into in-person, I know that was something that she had mentioned. And that's another thing like, oh my gosh, that's such a practical, I mean, we could have that even in our home. I mean, without it being like, you know, timeout chair or whatever, but to have a peace corner. I love that. That's such a great idea. Yeah, it's been, it was honestly, like I used one when my kids were much younger and I saw them in use in schools and it's been, it's powerful and it really, especially if you use it at home and at school, how powerful is that for a kid to know wherever I am, I can do something. Yeah. I feel like as soon as we get off of this call, I'm going to go set up one of the corners of our house (laughs) and I'll be like, well, Jenny told me to do this. So no, I'm so excited to be um, taking some of these practical things that you're offering. And like, I'm really excited to think about how we can be implementing these within our homes right now. It's just such good, such good, good skills. This is really helpful. 
I'm glad. I'm, and that's what I want. I want people to feel like, you know, I know that COVID is challenging. It's not, I mean, we've all been there. It's hard. There have been tears. There have been angry moments, but there are things that we can do. And when we can identify the things that we can control, the things that we do have some, uh, we, we can do something. There's something we can do to make it better or to help, even if it's just a shift a little bit in the right direction. That's all it takes sometimes to really feel a little bit better, you know? Yeah. 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 No, that's good. Yeah. And I, I love, I know a, a while back you, you talked about kind of focusing on things like once you're already activated, then like that's probably too late. Right. And so kind of thinking mm-hmm. ahead in terms of we've talked about some of these skills ahead of time or things like that. And I know the training that I went to that we met in person at back in the before times uh, <laughs> was on ADHD, anxiety, and anger in the classroom. And I'm obviously not a teacher, but I went to it because I, I thought those are those are like areas where there is there does tend to be a lot of like tension and uh, quote unquote meltdowns right which obviously mm-hmm. i'm putting that in quotes but around trying to like focus or keep attention or motivation or fear or anger right and so uh, i think thinking through uh, even as the adult like what areas what places what times does my child experience those things and how do i preactively have we've talked about this calm down corner or things like that right i know you did a podcast mm-hmm. episode back in december about surviving holiday parties right like before yeah. you go to a party think about maybe my child's going to be really overwhelmed mm-hmm. because there's a lot of people or they're going to get bored and so can we talk through some options that they have before we go and i think that's such a that's something that stuck with me is like thinking ahead right like how do i set my child up for success in terms of we have already talked about okay this might make you uh, anxious or upset do I already know kind of we've already talked through what our options are in that moment instead of just right then trying to go, oh, no, no. Okay, let me teach you this skill while while we're you're upset and I'm upset because yeah. we're in public and you're being loud right. and I'm embarrassed, right? But like trying to think through all of that I think is so good. Yeah, it's and it's really – just that like being able to preview and make a plan. Making a plan is so powerful. Now, the plan doesn't always work 100% of the time, and that's cool. <laughs> but right. at least mm-hmm. you have something. At least you have that gives you a little bit more of the control back where you can be like, okay, yeah. so we know that, say, holiday parties are really challenging. And that was like, honestly, that was a real life experience where I was sick and tired of going to holiday parties and watching the meltdowns happen mm-hmm. <laughs> and just being like, well, it's time to go to the car now. So, <laughs> yeah. so, you know, let's figure out what to do. Or, you know, I was also, um, it was actually also a parent of um, a client of mine who was in a group and he was, he was just mortified, scared out of his mind to go to this holiday party. And I was like, all right, let's figure this out together. Let's, let's work and plan and figure out what will work for you. And his mother was so thankful. And she was like, he actually stayed. I didn't think he would stay at the party. And I was like, great. That's all we wanted. He just has to sort of hang out with the relatives for a couple hours and then he can be on his way. (laughs) Yeah. And even, I mean, just the, the entire approach of let's figure this out together, right. Is so, I feel like far, far departed from, I'm the adult, you know, just I'm telling you, calm down and, you know, follow my instructions. Yeah. right? Like it's just a different approach that I feel like is, is so helpful. I think it's a, it sounds, I mean, it sounds empowering. Like you're empowering your kid and by partnering with them in these ways, uh, which I would imagine helps boost their confidence and their ability to be like, okay, I, I can do this. I can communicate what I need or be brainstorming some of these ideas with loved ones. Like, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And what I love about it is that it just it gives them it puts the ownership on them a little bit as opposed to us like saying, well, you should do this or you should do this. Like what feels good to you? What works for you? Because what works for my really busy son does not necessarily work for me. Like I don't necessarily Mm -hmm. want to go and play soccer or baseball. He or ride my bike. I would rather do dancing or go on a walk, but I have to recognize and be, I want to, I want to honor what he loves and I want to pay attention to it and make sure he's able to do those things. Not the things I love, the things he loves. I love that. Well, and just sorry to highlight one more thing that I like about it, right? Is we talked like it right up at the beginning about 
growing those skills and like building that foundation for later in life. And Mm -hmm. as opposed to I am telling you what to do, right? If if we are working through those things together and you are figuring out what works for me, that process is going to be helpful for the rest of your life in navigating like what works for me? How do I evaluate that? How do I find things that help me work with stress and things, right? Like that you're growing that ability in them, which is what you want, right? Like you don't want your kids to always have to call you and you say, do this thing to calm down, right? Like I think that's awesome. Yeah, no, that's so good. Well, Janine, one question that we love to ask our guests, especially in light of, you know, the good work that they do. I am curious, like, what would you say that your hope is for this work? I want kids to be able to figure out their coping skills so they can be happy and functioning adults. I want them to be able to go out into the world and find a job that they enjoy and find some friends and have some hobbies and live a good life. And if I can reach more kids to help them do that, that's that would make me super happy. If I if mm. I love hearing stories when parents are like, oh my gosh, he just really loved using that and that really worked for him. And he's been able to do this thing and or he was able to go get a job because he was able to work through all of his anxiety around going to a job interview. It's really powerful when that happens. And that makes it just it makes my day whenever I hear one of those powerful stories, those positive stories of they were able to sit and do their work or we are really using this mantra of we can do hard things and it's helping us get through the school day. That brings me joy. I want people mm-hmm. to be able to use it and take it in their lives and make it and make it work for them. That's all I want. That's so awesome. That's such, yeah. man, I love hearing your heart behind this work and I am so thankful for everything you've done. And, it, you know, I'm grateful that we got to learn from you today. This Thank is good. You. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, listener, if you want to connect with Janine, you can find her at copingskillsforkids.com, which I will point out there are resources specifically designed for professionals and for families and for parents and all sorts of things like that there. Um, you can find her on Twitter at Coping Kids, on Instagram at Coping Skills for Kids, on Facebook.com slash Coping Skills for Kids, or on Pinterest.com slash Encourage Play. You can buy her books wherever you buy books, and you can subscribe to the Calm and Connected podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You can connect with Holly at hollyoxhandler.com or on any social media at hollyoxhandler. You can connect with me at robert or on any social media at Robert Vohr. Janine, thank you so much for Mm. joining us today. Do you have any closing thoughts for our listeners? Um, Just one thing. Don't forget about yourself. Take care of yourself. That's what I want everybody to do. Find one thing, even if it's five minutes. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the CXMH Podcast. Want to score some major brownie points? Leave us five stars and an honest review on iTunes. Follow us on social media at CXMH Podcast and email us with questions, comments, and interview requests at CXMH Podcast at gmail.com.